0: If everyone just asks themselves, what's one thing that I'm shooting myself in the foot with? A habit, a thought process, an addiction, a way of being, some kind of pattern that keeps me cycling and cycling and cycling and never evolving.
1: Get ready, guys. This is a special episode. Elise Carr is a Sacred Guidance coach. She also is the host of the Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse podcast. And if you don't know what Sacred Guidance is, don't worry. You will by the end of this episode. Talking with Elise, I felt like I was, I was being coached in a really gentle, nurturing, and authentic way by a friend who has known me forever. It's actually kind of spooky, but this conversation was exactly what I needed. And I'm hoping that it's what you need as well. One of the main things that we talk about in this interview is how to let go of habits and behaviors that are no longer serving ourselves and our higher true purpose. We also talk about How to bring our emotional body, our physical body, and our mental body into alignment and into harmony. So if any one of those aspects of our life is out of balance, then there's going to be more struggle and more friction. So how to bring all that into alignment. Uh, Of course, we talk about love. We talk about love as selfless service. And fundamentally, this whole episode is about love, and it's about self-love, and it's about bringing peace to your life. And all of this falls under the umbrella of love. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Elise and this conversation, and I'm excited for you to hear it. My name is Sean Galinas, and this is The Love Drive. Could you please introduce yourself?
0: I'm Elise Carr, and my baby, my my soul, I suppose, is connected to Stella Muse, and that's my platform, and and that's where I offer my sacred guidance and and tantra and and healing components. And it's it's these, I guess, doorways that I use to be of assistance and service in the world. It's not just really my work; it's more than a career. It's actually my way of life. And I feel if we're on this path, whether you call that a spiritual path or a conscious path or whatever it is, towards awakening, that Anything we gain along the way, the wisdom, the experience, we should share.
1: What is sacred guidance?
0: Sacred guidance essentially is like psychology for the soul. So, unlike orthodox or traditional psychology, which is very much cognitive and and mind-based, I take an esoteric psychology approach, which means I look at the whole of the being. So we look at the physical body, we look at the emotional body, which in hippie la la spiritual land is called the astral body. We look at the mind, and then we look at consciousness. This is a science of the soul, essentially. So while orthodox psychology has yet to acknowledge we have a soul even though they're getting closer to it there's a lot of kind of gray areas and hunting around knowing there's more to us than just this meat suit so i take that integrated holistic approach when i do my sacred guidance sessions
1: <laughs> i'm feeling like i'm 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 kind of going through the mud right now and it's funny because the 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 recent therapy session that i had is bringing stuff up that i had dealt with 10 years ago in you know with my other therapist and I, was, and I was sort of beating myself up today going, you know, how come you haven't dealt with this yet?
0: But you might not have had the tools 10 years ago.
1: Oh, I definitely didn't have the tools.
0: Imagine the, the emotional intelligence you've created, the life experience you've had, just having a different connection to consciousness and, and life and knowing yourself better. I find that's the challenge. The more we actually know our true selves, not the self we project and put out there on social media, our true self, the better we can do the work. So 10 years on from when you had that last session or, you know, sessions with that last practitioner, therapist, to now, you are actually a different person, probably perhaps more ready than ever to do the work. And if you've got someone who can really join you on that journey and support you and guide you, in that darkness... They're like the light bear in the darkness. That's how I see my role as well. If someone can authentically hold that space and do that job and guide you through it to out, you know, into the light again, you've got a great pair. You've got a great match. And I think it can then be very powerful work, actually transformational work, which is what we want.
1: I mean, one of the reasons why I've decided to stay, to Mon- uh, stay in Montreal is because of this relationship with my therapist. You know, it's like, it's like a, it's a beautiful relationship.
0: Wow. There you go. It's a testament to how powerful it can be. Yeah,
1: it's it's interesting. You said something about doing the work.
0: Mm.
1: And that's something that I keep going back to over and over again.
0: Yeah.
1: How can we do the work?
0: It's more to the point, how do we expect to get away with not doing the work? <laughs> because to me, that concept of, I'm just going to keep this at bay for as long as I can. And the truth is, many people do for lifetimes, if you believe in that, or at least this whole lifetime. They're not going to deal with their stuff. But we want you to deal with your stuff. So, like you experience, having someone to help you is is a massive, massive assistance in doing that work to kind of guide you and help you know what work needs to be done. That for many people is key. For those who are taking more of a solo path, and to be honest, you know, and let's be real, a spiritual path, a conscious path, whatever you want to call it, is very self-governed. So you have to have what I like to call, willpower. (laughs) It's kind of like if you're an athlete and you don't train two or three times, you know, let's say a day for some people, they're not going to make it to the Olympics. If you want to be a writer but you don't write, you procrastinate and you're on social media, how are you going to ever get out your novel? Mm. We have to do the work in whatever capacity it is. For some of us, it starts off as, let's say, being the witness to our own reactions, our default patterns, our habits that don't serve us, the things that we keep doing over and over and over again. Expecting to get a different response somehow, or then go to a psychic or a tarot reader or a workshop or ayahuasca and think it's going to change our life overnight. Well, my friends, pretty unlikely. Not saying impossible, pretty unlikely. And unfortunately, many of us are in this glamour or illusion mindset that somehow something outside ourselves is going to do the work and fix us. You don't need to be fixed as such, you have what you need within you. It's just overriding the personality nature. And using your willpower with your heart to do the work. So getting up when you need to get up, not having that fourth cup of coffee, being cautious of the food you put in your body because you want to nourish this. It's a body temple for life. You've only got one. The words you use, the thoughts you have, how you treat your beloved or how you want to be treated by colleagues so therefore you treat them with a certain amount of respect our thoughts our words our actions are so integral often we just think it's just our actions that if i just do good things that's enough it's not if we look at the concept of harmlessness it has to actually be an integration of harmlessness of your actions of you know your thoughts and feelings the whole thing we don't live consciously or aware enough we kind of live in a semi state of sleep and just kind of lull our way through life and just try and get it done or tick the box or make the standard and while at the same time trying to impress that person across the room or at the bar. We're putting our focus so externally that we're forgetting internally is where those great transformations can take place and then the outside stuff falls into place. Mm. The right person can then come into your life because you're ready you are then equipped for that promotion because you've got your stuff together and you know you know what you're doing. Or maybe you're ready to then move countries, pick up some books and, and study what it is. You didn't know what you wanted, but it was there was something there. You were hungry. And now we're in alignment with your truth. You know what it is that you want to kind of explore.
1: When we're aligned with our truth, things sort of happen. The promotion could happen, the relationship, the 10 pounds that you've been wanting to lose for 10 years. Uh, speaking from personal experience, you know your professional aspirations, whatever it is, sort of clicks into place after you've done the work and you've found your true self. Mm. And I imagine that's really hard for people.
0: Absolutely. Let's be real. This isn't easy. No one signed up for easy. Earth is the school of life. If you wanted easy, you probably wouldn't be here. You'd be on some astral plane, which is kind of like a beach sipping a mai tai. I don't know. I think if we're here, if we've kind of decided to come here, this is my perspective, I suppose, and a very esoteric perspective. If you've incarnated into a human body, which means you have to deal with stuff on the physical, which is a very slow place to see stuff happen. You can have a thought and it's quite instant. You can have a feeling and it's quite instant. You want to lift a table and carry it down the road? It takes effort. This is the physical plane we're dealing with. So while we want things to happen fast, they don't, because we want them to manifest in a material context. If I wanted to invent a pen, the whole process to actually get a pen in my hand is very long. So if you want to like manifest this new relationship or this new job or this new version of you, it's going to take a process of time from the concept of the seed to seeing the oak tree, you know, grow and have a beautiful strong trunk, beautiful tree, leaves, everything process, it's time. And one of our biggest issues in doing the work in this modern age of everything happening, you know, as soon as possible, if not yesterday, is we have no patience. We have no patience.
1: You're talking to somebody who has very little patience, who is trying to cultivate patience. I'm really trying to cultivate patience. And I know that
0: mm.
1: it all takes time.
0: Mm. And it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's intellectually getting it but then it's actually being okay with it in our whole being because we're like, yeah, yeah, I get that, but, (laughs) you know. I want it now. Yeah, exactly right. And that's the personality nature, like a little child going, no, I'm not leaving the playground, I want to stay on the swing set. And, you know, the loving, gentle, conscious mind and heart, the soul aligned comes to that little child and says, I know this is what you think you want, it isn't really what you need. Mm. What you need is now to do X, Y, Z. And we sometimes have to kind of talk to ourselves a bit more gently with loving kindness and compassion and non-judgment and humility because our personality is a petulant child at times or it's, you know, an evasive teenager or it's an arrogant adult. Whatever it is for you, you know what you're like at times when you're in that, that seeing red phase or that whatever phase it is. If you know yourself well enough, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's me, especially before I've had my two cups of coffee if we can start to see almost like this little battle inside ourselves, it's it's almost like like in American Indian stories that we may have heard, the grandfather speaks to the grandchild and talks about the black wolf and the white wolf and that we have both of these inside ourselves and the grandchild goes, well, grandfather, if they're fighting, which wolf is going to win? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. Mm. So, without it being black and white because nothing's cut and dry, of course, we have to nourish our heart, our high mind, our consciousness, our body, temple, that soul, so we can create literally a clearer space for our higher self to work through. You want to call it soul, you want to call it consciousness, God, universe, Buddha, Allah, whatever's working through you, spirit, grace. We've got to create space for it to work through. And if you're in the mud feeding the dark wolf in your personality space – How is anything going to change? You're going to be in your little hamster wheel, you know, with the wolf, sitting there, playing in the mud, in the playground, as I call it, your whole life.
1: What does it mean to feed the, like, can we get some examples of feeding the black wolf so we can know what feeding the white wolf will look like?
0: Yeah. What are your addictions? What are your habits? Do you find yourself... Spending money online all the time and you don't need more stuff but somehow new shiny stuff comes up on Instagram, on social media, in a catalogue you've subscribed to and you've got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. Are you someone who constantly needs to feel sexual pleasure so you're just on the hunt for the next quick fix or perhaps you're hounding your partner all the time for sexual intimacy? There are so many ways that the personality controls us through the desire nature. We want to learn to lift that desire nature. It's like sometimes in Tantra we talk about Shifting sexual energy, we don't actually move sexual energy. Sexual energy stays in the genitals. It stays in the lower chakra regions. What we shift is desire. What we shift is our intention. We bring that into a heart space to connect deeper with our beloved. We bring that into the mind to connect on a higher plane of consciousness, a mental plane, beyond just the astral feeling plane, beyond just the physical pleasure plane. And beyond those three is then what people call the buddhic plane, the plane of pure love, the plane of highest consciousness, the plane really of, of where soul can start to st- like do its thing. And there's so many planes beyond that, but we'll just keep to those four.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> let's make this bite-sized and like um, reachable.
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like a little smarty, like a little <laughs> m M&M. and <laughs> I've
1: been eating, you know, speaking of desire, I've been eating a lot of smart, smarties lately and I don't even fucking eat mm-hmm. smarties.
0: Mm, what is happening there? Sean? Oh, you have
1: no idea. My desire plane is very strong. My drive. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm ten years sober, but I have always had an ad- addictive personality mm-hmm. to drugs and alcohol. For some periods of my time, to sex, to relationships, to intimacy, to food, to caffeine. I mean, name it, name it. To slothfulness, yeah. to Instagram, to likes, and and it's a constant battle.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and. This is the challenge. We sometimes think that if we just stop at cold turkey, it'll go away. No, the addictive personality, which still can be worked through, and amazing that you are working with someone, I guess, on this as well, is that if we take something out, we have to replace it. So, we have to replace it with something of a higher nature. So, if someone is watching pornography all the time, what can we replace that with that's of a higher nature? right you don't literature. just Stop. Beautiful example, beautiful example. But for some people, that might work if they're a reader, Yeah, you know. Yeah, The main thing is also to be aware of knowing, at least consciously, that you're doing harm to yourself and at times also harm to others. And sometimes we can take that door with people if they don't realize they're actually, they are harming themselves, they're harming their heart and their emotions, they're harming their astral body, they're harming their mind, they're harming their physical body. And
1: I know all of this, though.
0: Hmm. Yeah, consciously, like I said.
1: When I'm sad and I, I go and I, I know I'm going to go eat a box of Smarties and I know, which for people in America, they're like M&Ms, but with a thicker candy shell, I think, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, that's how I would describe them. I know that it's not good for me and I know that it's a tactic to escape mm-hmm. the feelings that I'm having, but I, and I do it anyways.
0: Why are the Smarties or the M&Ms or the candy in your reach? You, you actively go buy them in preparation for needing them.
1: No, no, I I will have like a a, a feeling or some sort of negative thing will happen, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah. I'm getting Smarties later. And there's a store. Oh, so
0: then you're going to go purchase them? They're it's literally they're waiting they're like, in the pantry.
1: They're a minute away from my house. There's a little store right down the street. Yeah.
0: yeah. And
1: if it happens that after eleven, I have to I have to go without because they shut at eleven.
0: Oh. Well, you could always tell yourself it's after 11, even if it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But I know it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You do. And this is when the willpower comes in. This is that cultivation of learning mind control. What we talk about in martial arts, in, in Buddhist studies, in the esoteric path, everything essentially has to come down if we're going to override a desire nature like that or addiction. And congratulations, may I say, for 10 years sober. That's incredible. Yes. Thank you we have to use our willpower. It's kind of going up the next level, which means, yeah, you intellectually have to tell yourself, not only do I not need this, I actually don't want it. My personality wants it. My heart doesn't want it. My mind doesn't want it. My body doesn't want it. My soul definitely doesn't want it. Sometimes you have to have a really hard conversation with yourself. And that might mean then going to have to have a cold shower it might mean then having to call someone that can hold space for you in that moment. It might mean sitting with your journal. It might mean meditating. It might mean going for a run, a swim, whatever it is. You have to then raise that to a higher place, because if you just know that's your default. As an example, I'm using you as a beautiful example here with the, with the MMs and Smarties. If you know that's your default to go to the store because they're easily accessible, easily affordable, not really harming anyone, you just know it's your default pattern. It's your cycle. And until you break that, and it sounds so simple and easy, but obviously in the heat of the moment, you're like, hell no, I'm just going to go buy another box. But it's in that moment that if you can call upon willpower, like any of us in our own moment, when we're about to use our PayPal account to make that purchase, when we're about to gamble, when we're about to pick up another person from a club, whatever it is, or have that eighth cup of coffee, you know, there's a whole spectrum of desire nature. There's a whole spectrum of addiction. In that moment, we have to learn to talk to ourselves and to be able to bring ourselves back to our true nature because otherwise you stay the puppet on a string with your personality just playing with you all the time, whenever it wants, however it wants. You have no control of your own life, of your own being. It's really disempowering. And I'm like, no, taking Brexit's line, take back control we want to take back control of our own life of our own body of our own heart of our own mind so that then we can start to live a more conscious life connected to whatever it is you believe is that highest version of you otherwise you could spend your whole life battling smarties which will have an effect right
1: it's such a not an interesting conversation with myself about smarties
0: no it's not but it's that's the surface level right when you trace that back down, it's a very interesting conversation because it's so deeply rooted to your entire personality fabric that if you broke this habit, it would have an incredible domino effect. So that's why these conversations might sound really, you know, banal or pointless or oh my gosh, I can't believe they're harping on about this. But if everyone just asks themselves, what's one thing that I really... I'm shooting myself in the foot with a habit, a thought process, an addiction, a way of being, some kind of pattern that keeps me cycling and cycling and cycling and never evolving. It has a massive impact on who you are and how you show up, the thoughts you have, the feelings you have, the choices you make. It's freaking huge and it all comes back to a box of Smarties.
1: What's your box of Smarties right now?
0: Mm. It's not a daily thing, but I started writing a book 12 and a half years ago. I finished writing this novel probably a couple of years ago. I then went on this massive spree of trying to find the right literary agent and publisher and all this kind of jazz. And it's just the maybes and the almosts, and then an agent dying on me, and then flying across the country here for this meeting, and then going, Yeah, we'd love it if it was the Elise Carr story, not a novel. Like, we want to hear your story. And I'm like, No one needs to hear my story as such. So, all these doors. And I just, I thought when I started writing it that two years in, I'd be just publishing it. How hard can it be? And there's been many a times when that why, why not me? Why can't I do this? It's because my my social media platform isn't, you know, 200 million. Is it because I don't have the money to self-fund myself? All these questions, all these whys, and that's the personality nature, kind of having a little raw moment, as I call it instead of going, well, hang on a minute, maybe what you've written is fine, but maybe there's something yet to be put in that you haven't learned yet. You haven't experienced yet. There's something yet to gel. So, I've had to have the white wolf, dark wolf. I've had to have the soul personality. I've, I've had to have that conversation with myself many, many times over the years. And I've reached a point of almost perfect harmony now. My smarties were probably more frustration. I got very frustrated. I didn't reach for anything. There's nothing that could make me feel better. I just didn't want my emotional body, my emotions, my reaction to be so out of control. Within myself, I felt such unease and I'm like, this isn't right. You're causing yourself suffering. You're getting yourself so upset over nothing and you're doing this to yourself. Mm. It's all you. Even if you get 100 rejection letters from literary agents, some of which were so lovely written, not many of them, but some of them, you know, praising the writing, but just this bit's missing. And look at that. That's amazing. You've got this. It's just not the right time. So, let it go. Release the grip of having what you want, when you want it, how you want it, because you don't know what's best for you. That's what I've had to remind myself over and over and over and over again. And it's still going, but it's gotten tremendously better. 12 and a half years.
1: It seems to me like grasping is one of the fundamental ways in which we suffer.
0: Yeah, because we're grasping for something that is like smoke. What we're grasping for are illusions, glamours, pretty shiny things we think are gonna make us better and they do for like a blip of a second and then it's gone and then we want something else. That's the orgasm, that's the drink, that's the hit of, of doing drugs or buying something or the coffee, the buzz, the hit, whatever it is that we, we're grasping for does not last. It is never going to satisfy us and yet we keep forgetting that even though we know it because more shiny stuff gets put in our face, especially on social media. You walk down the street and there's billboards and there's adverts on television and there is so much bombarding us, it puts us in a position where we're totally off track Because we find it so hard to self-govern and control and use our willpower when we're bombarded all the time.
1: You use the word willpower, and I really like to use the word discipline.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: I feel like people have a complicated relationship to willpower.
0: And discipline too, may I add.
1: Yes, of course. But discipline sounds more, I don't know, like willpower is-
0: makes you feel better, does it? (laughs) I
1: I think so. A little bit more powerful.
0: I, I guess I see it that willpower is a discipline. Right. So, I I don't see them the same, but I see them very much connected. They're like salt and pepper maybe, a bit of yin and yang maybe. If you have a a discipline, I think in order to keep that discipline alive and going, you need willpower. So, your discipline is your practice. Your discipline is is the work. It can just sit there knowing, yeah, yeah, I do that. But your willpower makes you do it every day. The willpower makes you show up at 2 o'clock every afternoon to do XYZ. I guess that's how I see them interrelated. For some people, especially if they're drivers and type A personalities, however you want to call it, sometimes they put these numerous disciplines out there for themselves to do and they overextend themselves to the point of exhaustion and then they seek for things to prop them up, to kind of keep them going. And in a world where we're expected to kind of almost be like machines, sometimes this can be hard as well that we need to pull back a little bit and know that ticking 10 things off your box where you had 30, that's pretty good still. You know, we have sometimes unrealistic expectations in certain areas and then in others, they're completely neglected. So, I kind of touched on the physical body, the emotional body, and the mental body. I see these as as three vehicles, your physical body, hey, look after it, your emotional body or astral body, hey, look after it, and your mind, the mental body, hey, look after it. And if you're exhausting one, like let's say you're really pushing your body so hard – what about your emotions and your mind or what if you're someone who's extremely intellectual and very driven and very learned and really wants to just excel incredibly like to the point of, who knows, Nobel Prize and therefore your emotions are probably closed off. You're not going to be intimate in your relationships because it's all about you striving to get there in your physical body. Well, let's hope you brush your teeth today and maybe change your underwear. These are extremes, Right. But this is just so you get the picture of if we focus on one body and neglect the others, we're doing it to the detriment of our own harmony, our own overall well-being. This can happen also in desire nature because some people can be so desirous of the perfect body, whether it's bodybuilding or whether they want to be skinny or whether they want to have a big booty or whatever it is that they focus so much on that like it's going to solve all their problems if they look a certain way but it's at the ne- neglect and the detriment of their emotional body and dealing with their stuff and their mind and what's really going on, those thoughts that are self-sabotaging the whole process.
1: I just <laughs> You're literally talking to me. It's, it's just beautiful. I, I literally have nothing to say. I was just so happy to just go <laughs> and listen.
0: <laughs> but this is good. You know why? Because it feels real, Sean. Because you know, you're like, there's truth in this. And this is, this is my aim. This is why I am so passionate about sharing certain teachings is because fundamentally deep down within us, we know there is truth to this and there is love in it and there is wisdom in it and there's a beauty to it, an innate beauty that if we actually did this work, if we actually did align ourselves and harmonize and look at our three vehicles and clear the way, we would actually be an incredible version of ourselves, like a luminous, real beautiful version of ourselves. And there's a part of us, I say soul, that wants this more than anything. But the personality is going to kick and scream and fight the death to hold you back where you are right now. And you can very well stay in that place and you may very well spend your whole life in that place, but I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anyone. So yeah, the discipline, the work, the willpower, the shifts and changes to really transform has to happen from within. It's not gonna happen at any amazing rock star like weekend workshop where there's crazy music and lights and everyone crying and hugging and kumbayaring. It's not necessarily gonna happen from ayahuasca, even if you keep going back for 20, you know, rounds. It's not gonna happen necessarily from one therapeutic session. None of these quick fixes are enough. For some people, it might get them to the point of realization and then they can develop willpower, a sense of discipline a shift, a change, something to springboard them into the work. But on its own, nothing outside of us is going to make us feel, think, be, live how we want to without us contributing and, and literally doing something every day. Mm. It's a daily job.
1: Yeah, it's a daily job and it's also an inside job. Yep. All the work totally. happens on the inside. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm reflecting as you're talking and uh, I left the Bay Area in California because- it is it's incredibly challenging to be surrounded by so many overachievers and ultra performers and hyper productive folks and that's just not been my path. It has not been my path like I can't do it. I can't do it and I don't and I don't know I I don't think it's because I'm lazy, it's just because that's not how I want to be in the world. I don't want to be an ultra performer.
0: Yeah, and that's a good distinction. Especially if you know, I'm not lazy, but that's just not me. If you don't want to force yourself into a mold that's presented to you, that's totally okay. Honoring that's important and then finding out, well, how do I want to be is then the next question. And then working on that. Because there's molds and stereotypes presented to us, archetypes, however you want to look at it, all the time. And they're not real. And most of the time, They look pretty and shiny and beautiful, once again, on social media or maybe when you catch up with someone for your organic green smoothie, but you don't know what's going on in their head, their heart, the struggles they have, the relationship issues they're dealing with, the habits and addictions that are controlling them. We don't look behind the surface when we look at these things and make judgments upon other people and just go, oh, my God, I don't know how they do that. I couldn't do that. That's not me. Like, maybe something's wrong with me. No, you're looking at things the wrong way. And I say you. I don't mean you, Sean. I'm saying people, right? (laughs)
1: I feel like you're talking to me. I mean, you are. You're talking to people and I'm a person, so.
0: Yeah, the collective you.
1: Yeah. This all sounds great. And I'm wondering how how realistic is this for, for most people who have to work 40, 50 hours a week and who might not have the resources to do therapy or work on themselves all the time? Like, how, how realistic is this?
0: The main thing that I'd love people to look at, and you can do this commuting, you can do this first thing in the morning when you wake up, if you set your alarm five minutes before you need to bound out of bed, if you're that person who snoozes 10 times before they get up, you can do it in the shower, you can do it, you know, when you're just stir-frying your dinner at nine o'clock at night if you just got home. There are always opportunities, we can call that discipline or willpower, but we need to find even small windows of time that you are willing let's say, the will to do good for yourself, that you are willing to create as a discipline to make changes. And they can be small and simple. Literally, if your food, your sleep, your intake of alcohol, substance use, start with one thing that you know deep down, actually, this isn't serving me anymore. I don't even get the same joy out of it. I do it because I always have done it. It's easy. Everyone else does it. I grew up in a family that did it. Whatever it is for you, whatever your story is, it is just a story. You can start there. And fundamentally, if we stripped everything back and you're like, okay, where do I just start? What's one thing I can do? Where do I start? Look at your three vehicles, your physical body, your emotional body, your mental body, and find out which of those three is the weakest. Meaning, which one do you ignore, neglect, or find the hardest to work with? And start there. What is the challenge? What's your default reaction or pattern? What are you doing that doesn't serve you? What's one tiny small change you are willing to make to help that come into more harmony with your other two vehicles? And if you're like, oh my gosh, starting in the hardest place possible too much, then start with what you think is your strongest vehicle and see if you are overemphasizing it, if you are pretty much putting all your attention and focus on that and how you can slightly pull back to bring it into alignment. Let's say you go into the gym two hours a day to train to get this perfect body, but at the same time, you're also trying to study and get through a course and you haven't picked up a book in the last couple of weeks. Just be aware. This is awareness. It's called being the witness, we say. I want you to witness your patterns, your cycles, your habits, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. Super simple, yet super complex. Pick one. It's It's an incredible opportunity to create the change that you've always wanted but for whatever reason haven't had the tools, haven't had the will to do it, haven't had enough desire nature high enough in your heart or mind to do it, haven't had someone to guide you. We live in a world where there's so much actually at our fingertips to guide us if we find the right tools. Your podcast, my podcast, people's articles, there are shows on YouTube that actually have some truth and substance. You might have to mine and find your way there because some people talk a big game. Some people talk a lot of glamour and illusion. Find what really resonates with you. Start there. It is nice to have inspiration or aspiration or some kind of guidance, someone who you can go, okay, they're talking something real here. They must have done it. They must know something. Maybe I can learn something from them. There's no weakness in that. That's actually taking initiative to go, okay, I remind myself in a humble way, I'm always a student. Even if you're a master of something, we're always students. We're always here to learn. So what can I learn right now to help me help myself?
1: Hey everyone, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And as you know, I'm not a huge fan of Valentine's Day, but I am a huge fan of love. And to celebrate Valentine's Day in the best way that I know how to, I would like to showcase some of your love letters on next week's episode of The Love Drive. I am still soliciting love letters. So if you have a love letter that you want to share with me so that I can share it with The Love Drive listeners, please contact me, Sean at thelovedrive.com. That's S-H-A-U-N at thelovedrive.com. Or come find me on Instagram at thelovedrive. Send me a DM. Share with me your love letters, please. All right, that's it. We're talking to Elise Carr about love as selfless service.
0: it's not about you and me and what we want, our little petty needs to make us feel good for a moment. It's about how we can come together. So how you can really come together in a relationship with a beloved and create real love, which as you and I have had a discussion about, that's not what can you give me and what can I give you. I gave you a massage, you need to give me a massage. You know, with an expectation. It's selfless service. It's the will to do good. That's the foundation of love, to then go to selfless service and and a giving that in me giving you something with no expectation, I get joy from seeing the joy that brings to you. Mm. If we shift our mindset to this in our intimate relationships, with our colleagues, with our clients, with the person we go buy bananas from, let's say, instead of Smarties from down at the grocery store or the market, everything, when we give someone our passport at the airport, the, the Uber driver, if we shift how we are and how we shop in the world to a we mindset, not you against me, not the dividing not the walls, that patriarchy and the old way of Pisces instilled in us, we would shift our whole experience of life. I don't know how it's going to be, if it's going to really happen in our lifetime. Maybe our great-grandchildren will have a better experience of this and I really trust so if we get to act together. But we're struggling at times living a more conscious life because it isn't still the norm. We're still the outsiders. We're still the black sheep of the family, whatever you want to call it. But the more of us who come together who have these conversations like we are today, Sean, mm. the more of us who start feeling into it, considering it, taking action and being, you know, world servers, seeing a way that they can contribute to the world. You know, and that might start within. It might start within your marriage, in your relationship, in your home, in your community, and it will eventually ripple out. We need to do this. I mean, how amazing. We're connecting from across the world now. Finally. You know, finally, I know, but (laughs) this is all mindset stuff. Everything we come back to, everything we've spoken about today is kind of a shift in our mind, Mm. you know, and then in that shift in the mind, the heart goes, oh, finally, you're on my page and the heart comes into it because the heart has had a knowing, that inner flame of knowing the whole time. But sometimes that mind can override it and the personality, hell yeah, overrides it.
1: I want to spend more time in my heart. I really do. And I want to spend more time slowing down and I want to spend more time in silence Mm. and with people that really nurture me and respect me and bring warmth and love to my life. Like that's what I, that's what I want.
0: And I'm sure you want to be able to nurture and bring love to their life and respect them and all of that as that beautiful harmonious exchange. Yeah. Yeah. I believe fundamentally we all want those things. But we just don't always really know what we want. Like I said, the petulant child wants to stay in the playground. Thinks it does, doesn't really know what it wants.
1: Well, power and money is what I think I want.
0: Yeah. That's desire nature, right there, my friend. You know know. that.
1: Yeah, I know that now.
0: (laughs) That's your amazing personality going, yes, if I just get all the money I want and all the power I want and wield it how I want, I will be happy. You might be for a moment. Happiness doesn't last. Joy, bliss, that true connection to, well, what's real, that lasts. You can never be happy all the time. That's another glamour or illusion sold to us by the fake new age, the pseudo-spiritual world. Just be happy, happy, happy. No, sometimes you actually need to sit in your sadness and figure out why this sadness keeps coming up. Sit in that, sit in the mud, because from the mud blossoms the lotus flower.
1: You know Bob Ross? Not personally. You've heard of him? Mm. He made it all the way to Australia. Uh, he says that you need to have a dark so that you can recognize the light.
0: Yeah. How can one exist without the other? We live in a duality. How can feminine be something if there wasn't masculine? How could winter be if there wasn't summer? How can there be darkness without light? It's, it's crazy to think you can only have happiness and not have sadness or suffering. You know, until we meet the middle way, the middle path, the razor edge road, we call it in esoteric studies or the middle way they say in Buddhism, until we meet, like, reach that point, you'll be living in one or the other or straddling them. The more conscious we become, the less we kind of straddle, the less we're kind of spread out, the less we fluctuate from crazy highs and crazy lows. It's almost like a heartbeat. It's a beautiful connection to everything that breathes and lives and is. That's the space we want to live from. Not be crazy high and crazy low because you know if you have one, you're going to have to have the other. Mm. So, we let go of having to have these highs from whatever hit it is we're after. We then realize we don't have the same suffering. We then come to a realization that the middle way brings us a peace and a harmony and a unity, a unification with everything that breathes that we ultimately long for. Most people don't really know what they actually long for. They just think they do because it's shown to them by machines, by politics and governments, by media. That's all fabricated. We do have some kind of conscious awareness that things we read in the newspaper, they're owned by moguls mm. who have an agenda, who fund lobbyists, governments, politicians. It's all connected. It's not conspiracy, it's fact. And yet we keep buying into it mm. because we so want that quick fix, feel good, even though we know it doesn't last. And here we go in the same cycle again. When will we wake up? When will we wake up?
1: I could just listen to you talk for hours. <laughs> I really could. And good thing we can because you have sev- you have a lots of episodes of your podcast.
0: Yeah, I just put out 28. It's my favorite number too. So there's a few there.
1: 28 episodes of your <laughs> podcast if people want to listen.
0: Maybe you can listen to one when you want to go to the shop and buy Smarties. You're like, actually, no, I'm just going to put on a podcast episode.
1: Sugar is the thing that I want to get rid of.
0: Uh, well, you can substitute it initially, whether that's with honey or stevia or fruit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I've been eating more fruit this week and no Good. Smarties and no Smarties. <laughs> it's only Wednesday, but... <laughs> <laughs> I have a few more questions for you. Actually, I only have two yeah. more questions for you. Sure. We've touched a little bit on uh, on this, and I feel like we should probably have you back for just a full episode on it, but, but what is love to you?
0: Mm. What love isn't to me is what Hallmark sells us or laundry and roses and champagne and chocolates and you make me for good, I make you for good and, you know, jealousy and missing someone, so therefore you have to, like, do something ridiculous to kind of get their attention. None of that is love. That's obsession or a misconception of what pure love is. To me, pure love, like I touched on, is selfless service. If I love someone and there are people that I love, I will do things for them purely for them, not to get something out of it, not for them to like me, not for them knowing that, you know, they're going to reciprocate. It's just, I get joy out of bringing joy to their life. And that's how I want to be with everyone I connect with. I want to have that love exchange with everyone I connect with. I want us to serve each other. And that comes from a selfless place of no expectation, no gripping, no holding on. Now, we can do that. Some people struggle more so with that sometimes in an intimate relationship where it's like, no, no, but I do this all the time and you don't do anything. That doesn't necessarily mean love. That might, need to be sometimes a conversation on fundamentals and compromise and exchange and that's part of a romantic relationship but it's not the love as such for some people they see that separate other people can see it connected in the sense of it's a service. So if you put the bin out and I make dinner and, and that's our exchange well then we're happy with that but it's not enough We then need to if we're talking about intimacy intimacy here we we then want to connect with the beloved in a loving way with intimacy. So, therefore, when you're making love or you're just being intimate, affectionate, once again, it's about giving and being open to receive. Now, especially for the man or the masculine of the partnership, to actually selflessly give, especially if your beloved is a female and you're a male, to selflessly give to her without any expectation, without it being about your pleasure, for as long as she needs to actually unfill and open up and feel safe and loved and cherished and heard and seen, if you can just do that for her, She's then going to give you more than you can probably handle. Most men don't do that. They're all about, I want to feel good right now, so I just know her spots. I'll just touch her here, rub her here, kiss her here, and then we're on. And it's a real shame because no woman then in that capacity gets to actually really awaken her feminine. And many women in this world we live in aren't awakening their feminine enough because They're being masculine in the workforce or sometimes even to run a household. They're getting stuff done. They're running around. They're holding space. They're doing, doing, doing. They're not getting enough time to actually be in that ultimate feminine receptacle space. So, if a man can actually give that to a woman in an intimate arena, in an intimate sacred space... It can change the love, the bond, the connection, the intimacy of that relationship. A different respect can can come about, a different connection, a heart-based connection, you know, and then ideally we want to work to a connection of soul. So a lot of this is a dance of finding that balance between the masculine and feminine. We say Shakti and Shiva, the goddess and the god, the dark and the light, like the wolves we mentioned, like darkness and light, like summer and winter. We need to find harmony And yes, we both need to receive, we both need to give, but in in what way does that work best for our union and is it in harmony for what's right for our union? Often it's not in harmony and some of us find it really hard to communicate that because either we don't know what we want, we're afraid to hurt the person, we're afraid to push them away, we don't want to be mean, or we actually don't know how to communicate lovingly how to, I guess encourage them to do things to us that we want to make us feel a certain way it can be really hard it can be hard at the beginning it can be hard when you're five or ten years in and you haven't attempted before and now you want to change things up and they're just happy with status quo these are challenges that are real but if we come from a place of loving kindness compassion non-judgment humility like i touched on from a place of selfless giving we come from a loving place we then offer and invite to have a conversation, to have a connection. We're then showing up in the most, I guess, beautiful, true, loving, real way we can. It's up to the other person then to meet us there. And if someone can't meet you there, then are they the right person for you? If they struggle at first, you can guide them. But if there's a massive disparity between where you want to be and where you are and where they want to be and where they are and you guys aren't kind of connecting on some level, Sometimes we aren't necessarily with the right people in that context and we have to be real with ourselves there too. Mm. Other times, the being real is going, okay, we've both got to do work but we want to do this so let's show up, have a discipline, have a date night every week, whatever it is to do the work. So, we're on all different levels along a whole big spectrum but if we can come from that loving place, from that selfless giving to be of service, to bring joy and love into someone else's life... If that helps then open them up and open their heart, like all of us need to open our hearts, there is going to be reciprocation because it's inevitable. What goes out must come back. Just like we know, what goes up must come down. This is a law of the universe here. We're not creating anything new and fandangle.
1: <laughs> I'm blown away. I'm blown away. I feel like we we could do so many more episodes together. I'm just writing all these like other amazing things that we could be talking about. Uh, but first of all, where can we find you?
0: Yeah. Well, the best way to reach out to me is on Stellamuse.com and that's Stella with an A. And my podcast is Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse, which is on iTunes and Stitcher and all that jazz and obviously on my website. And if Sacred Guidance or the healing or Tantra speaks to you, I do work with people all around the world and there's a contact page there that people can reach me on as well.
1: Thank you so much. I got so much out of this. I'm, 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 really really grateful to you thank you
0: thank you thank you for giving me the opportunity once again it goes two ways and we always learn if we listen so thank you for listening thank you for sharing and thank you so much for having me on the love drive sean it's been a pleasure
1: All right, my little lovebirds, that is all for today. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help of Guilford Street Studios. If you want detailed show notes, uh, links on how to get in touch with Elise, or more information about me, go to thelovedrive.com. I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me feedback, for uh, encouraging me to continue doing this work uh, it means a lot to me. It really does. I haven't figured out how to monetize this yet. And so in the meantime, and actually forever and ever, your gratitude means a lot to me. It really does. It helps me keep going because sometimes I just don't really want to. And I think that's normal and with any creative endeavor. It can be hard sometimes. So I just want I want to recognize you all for listening and for encouraging me. Thank you. God damn it. Thank you.